Good morning. Part four, fixer upper. Open the Bible, turn over to Matthew chapter 14, beginning with verse 22. This is a story that, man, we've done dramas here on this. I've preached on this, but never like this. Uh, man, it's a very familiar story to Christ followers. Jesus walking on the water, and his friend Pete decides to follow after him. We'll look at these scriptures in a minute. And today we just call this the whole effect of faith, the wow effect of faith. There's, see, there's something about when we come to personal faith in Christ, it wows us, it overwhelms us, it changes us. It also has incredible impact on others when we really follow Christ and we have deep abiding faith in Him. People notice a change, a difference. I've shared my testimony here so many times and you've shared your testimony, I hope, and if not, you should. The scripture's clear. They overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the Word. Or their testimony. You have a testimony. You have faith in Christ. And as I think about this today, I'm just thinking about we're going to finish up part four in this series with Peter. And Peter, as I've said, is erratic, impulsive, brash, boisterous, just uh, really kind of out there. But God chooses to make Peter a steady, stable witness of his son to declare the gospel. And right there in the box, you just see what Ray Stedman said. I just kind of summarize that for you. It's that rallying cry of believers that, man, they have faith. And they testify to the one that saves them, the one that changes them. I just told you about Brother Lenny, and I love that because I remember some couple decades ago, I met him, and, and what a proclaimer of the gospel. He was always sharing Christ with people. It was just, it was just holy passion. And uh, just the other day, he was in the hospital, and somebody came to see him that he had just led to Christ a few months ago and was in the process of discipling this man, even though he had no strength. Just a great witness for Christ. Chuck was telling me yesterday one of the great things he said. He says, you know, I've been up and down spiritually, but about five years ago, I got anchored in deep to Jesus. And he says, and Dad and I grew closer than we ever had, and Dad got to witness the expressions of Chuck's faith. And it was sweet yesterday as we cried and shared because his dad, it's what he'd always longed for, that his son would be just a true follower of Jesus with all his heart. Peter, does he remind you of yourself? Now, some of you are so introverted and you don't hardly talk a lot, so you don't shoot off quickly at the mouth. But some of us in this room, and we'll leave them unmentioned, they just look at that person next to you if you think they're one. And, and, and don't do that. That could cause you not to have lunch. But, the, you know, they, they're just quick to, to have an answer, to have a response. And there's a time that we need to have a response. And other times we just need to kind of sit back and not do that. But the earth-shattering change that happened in Peter's life is incredible as I read the Gospels. So much that Jesus, as we said week one, Jesus gave Peter a new name, Simon, you shall be Peter, Cephas, the rock. And that name validated who Peter was. And Peter lived up to that name as he led and preached and proclaimed. There's an action point that I think about. Remembering how God sees you this morning and to seek to let that define you is more important than what other people see in you. Now, our goal is that people see Christ formed in us. They see Christ in us, that we re reflect the Savior. That's important. But ultimately, it's what God says about us. You know, I learned a long time ago, a lot of people will define me and my life and my family and my ministry and whatever I do. But at the end of the day, 
I pray that I just curl up with Jesus and say, Jesus, what do you say about me? And that he always might even ask, and who do you say that I am? You are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. You're my redeemer. You're my savior. Lord, I love you. But this background here is kind of simple. They're on the northwestern shore of the Sea of Galilee. And, there, and I remember in 99 when I got to go to Israel and, and going out across that body of water. And listen to this. These are some things that people just like to, uh, uh, to know about what's the terrain, what's like. Here it is. The Sea of Galilee is like 680, 700 foot below sea level. The Dead Sea, remember going there, is 1,290 feet below sea level. But this entire chain of, of, of water level there. And it creates an interesting effect for storm. The day that I went on a boat across the Sea of Galilee, it was a beautiful day, sunshine, blue sky, and I'm thinking, huh? But they said, because of the way it's built, the way it's laid down in that basin, storms can erupt ever so quickly and can change all kind of things. Now, in a little bitty way, I know Lake Martin because I grew up on it, and I've been out on a beautiful day in Lake Martin in a boat with friends or whoever, and all of a sudden the what? But you know, the weather changes and it begins to white cap. Matter of fact, this past year, uh, this year, I was with a friend, and, and I'd have been in the water my whole life, used to water ski three, four days a week, and I saw something I'd never seen. We were on this pontoon boat, and we're going, and a big wave hit us, and that's nothing. We're in a big pontoon boat. Like, are you a sissy? No. But when the wave hit us, the boat went down to submerge, gets my attention. My grandkids are on there. And it goes down, and as it starts to come back up, we take on enormous amounts of water that came flowing through there. Yeah, I think we're going to drown. Now, the great thing I like about lakes is I can see the shore. <laughs> I'm thinking, man, if this thing goes down, I'm going to definitely grab a kid or two or whatever, and we're, we're going to swim to the shore. We're going to get out of this. And, and, you know, and the boat stood back up, and I went, boy, that was fun. No, it wasn't fun. But here it is, plateaus, 2,000 feet above sea level, the plateaus of the Sea of Galilee, 700 foot below sea level, almost 3,000 foot difference. You get warm air on the Sea of Galilee, listen to this, you get cool air that comes through these canyons, and these canyons that, that sort of are a V, the horns of Hatton, and they act if you're a mechanic like a carburetor, Venturi, when you take air, you funnel it through the wide into the narrow throat and as the cool air rushes downward through the valley at a high velocity it hits the warm air in the sea of galilee and all of a sudden out of that situation that creates combustion a storm can whip up out of nowhere have you ever been in a storm that you felt uncomfortable yeah physically yeah spiritually yeah emotionally yeah relationally yeah how about financially anybody ever been in a financial storm how'd you feel they saying, well pastor i felt like i was going under and somebody said well, i don't feel like it i did go under i sunk and then hopefully you rebuilt but here we go so as we go through this let's look here matthew chapter 14 will you look there with me verse 22 immediately after this jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and crossed the other side to the other side of the lake. And when he sent, while he sent the people home. And after sending him home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray, and night fell while he was there alone. Now, I find it interesting. It says immediately, and also says that Jesus ordered them into the boat. 
Do you think Jesus was like, hey, if you'd like to ride in the boat, hey, we've got cheap fare this afternoon. We've got snow cones waiting on you on the other side. And he said, get in the boat. Why did Jesus want the guys to get in the boat? Because Jesus wanted to teach them something. You know, many times we, we see in the Gospels and Jesus borrows a fisherman's boat and he stands up, makes it a platform, and he preaches to masses. And here he's doing a little trip with them. And here there's four watches in the Jewish night over 2,000 years ago as they looked at it. Listen to this. From 6 o'clock in the evening to 9 o'clock was one watch. From 9 to midnight was another watch. From midnight to 3 was the third watch. And from 3 to 6 was the fourth watch. And here it is. Out here on this watch of the night, they're out on the Sea of Galilee, and Jesus decides to show up, and he walks across the water. Now, when's the last time you saw somebody walk on water? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they were terrified, the Word of God says, and they thought it was a ghost. Not a bad guess, but it was tough. I remember when I was a kid, I would ski a lot, and I learned how to barefoot, and that was a lot of fun. The only, thing, the only problem with barefooting, you have to run the boat at high speeds, and as you do, when you crash, you do that, and everybody goes, oh, isn't that fun? Let me tell you, no. I used to get out there, and Donna, she remembers when I would do this, and we'd go to the lake, and I'd want to show out, and I'd get out, and I'd barefoot with my friends, or, or I'd go, everybody want me to barefoot, and I'd barefoot. But one day, I was feeling a little cocky, and the water was a little rough, and I know that you don't barefoot, you don't walk on water when it's like that, but I just had to do that, and I got out there, and I began to go, and man, I was tearing it up and showing out, and I hit, and I fell and I crashed, and I hit the water, and I died. I felt like it. And I remember them pulling me back into the boat. And the rest of the weekend, I was not a happy camper. God didn't make us to walk on water, did he? I mean, it just doesn't happen. But here's Peter, here's Peter, and he walks on the water. And we read this story, and we go, man, but you know, the thing is, and everybody's making fun of Peter. Now, there's 11 guys going, oh, Peter, what are you doing? You know when you get out there, you're going to crash. And everybody's complaining and whining. Everybody jumps on Peter. But you know what? Peter's my dude, man. Peter's my man. Peter's the only one that's got guts to get out of the boat. Peter actually steps out on the water, and he follows Jesus. And it's awesome. I don't know how long he followed him, but he walks. And you've heard this story so many times. You've heard people preach on it. But the thing is, the whole adage is you've got to get out of the boat to walk on the water of life. You've got to take some risk. And Peter, man, Peter, he majors in risk management. He majors in risk. He takes a risk to follow the Savior at this point. Now look here, verse 26. So here's a strong uh, water that's risen, verse 26. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In the Greek, it means terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. I don't know what it is, man, a, a sea creature, something. I mean, like, man, there's movement out there on the water. This is not looking good. There's fear overwhelms them. It's not every day that you see somebody taking a stroll across the lake. Now, we read it as 21st century Christians, and we go, and Jesus walked on the water, and then Peter walked. Man, we lose. I mean, I promise you, if we go out this afternoon and one of you walks on the water, I, I promise you the news will come out and cover it. Everybody will be talking about it. It won't be just the normal thing. But here, here's the point that I want you to see right here. 
fill in your outline. Jesus wants to drive away fear. See, fear overwhelmed these disciples. I mean, what I do know is I know something about fear, and maybe you do too, or maybe you know a lot about fear. And so when the disciples first see him, you know, they're, they're terrified. They think it's a ghost. They don't know what it is. But they, they make the problem maybe worse than it is. And a lot of times we do that. We, we run to that place. We get negative. We get defeated. We get discouraged. But as they see this person walking, all I know is that what we need to know is we need to know that Christ is in charge of the storm. Christ is above the storm. Christ is sovereign. Christ leads us through the storms of life. I love it. it it's one of my favorite passages. I've read it for years and years. Read it as an unbeliever, unbeliever. memorized it as an unbeliever. I read it at funeral services. And recently I, re I read Louis Giglio's book, Goliath must fall, and he talked about Psalm 23, Psalm 23. But let me just tell you, right now in your note, if you don't remember anything I say today, I just want you to know, Jesus is a gentle shepherd. Amen? Jesus is a gentle shepherd, and he leads us. I love that. Jesus wants to lead you and me this morning. He wants to lead us every day of our life. He wants to lead us to the way of the Father. He wants to lead us to experience an abundant, joyful life. He wants us to lead us to him, to become like him. So we know the person of Christ. We, we take courage in Christ. Look, look, look there, here. Look at verse 27. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid. All through the scriptures say that. Don't have fear. Don't be afraid. Here it is. Don't be afraid again. He says, take courage. Here's the word, circle it. I, I, I am here. Exodus, Jesus says, I am the great, I am. Here he is in the Gospel of Matthew. Here I am, the I am. And he takes over and he takes charge, and I love that. And, and, then he, and, and, and as he tells this, look, look, verse 28. And then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Now, Peter is a little presumptuous, and you know, and I'm thinking, man. But, you know, and people comment and commentators write on this, but it's still, at the end of the day, I love Peter. I mean, Peter was just saying what it was in everybody else's heart, or at least it was in his heart. And he said, well, Lord, wouldn't you want, don't you want to come out there on the water? Don't you want me to come? And look, look here. Look at the scripture. Circle it in your Bible, verse 29. Yes, sit a little longer, Peter. He says, no, yes, come. Come, Peter. Come to me. And you know, Jesus is still using that same word, come. Come to me. To me, you that are heavy laden, you that are heavy burdened. Hey, Texas, you Texans that are hurting today, come to me. Hey, you Alabamians that are struggling in your life, come to me. The Bolton family, this morning, Jesus is issuing, issuing a call. Chuck, boys, mom, come. Come to me. I'm bigger than the storm of death. I'm bigger than the storms that you've experienced. And so Peter knows about that. Peter supernaturally experiences Christ. The other 11, they, they don't really experience anything. A lot of fear. And they're just sitting back, cowards. Not willing to take a risk. But not Peter, man. Peter, Peter jumps in there. Peter walks. He goes after it. He gets out there. The point of faith there is that he does walk. And here's, here's the other thing. I want you to just... Make this note in your margin. Jesus always has a word. And Jesus always has the last word. And in this scripture, his word is, come. Come, Peter. Another place, come follow me. And, make, and I'll make you fishers and men. 
you know, one of the things I heard about this whole thing with Harvey the other day, some preachers the other day, they said we were down there, they were canceling services where they had a good reason to cancel services. Their churches were underwater. And pastors and preachers and friends and congregational members, everybody out rescuing. Have you seen the Cajun Navy? It, isn't that, I just love that. I mean, it's some of your people, Bob. Some of them LSU Cajuns. I loved it. You know, just a bunch of bona fide rednecks that just love people. Maybe they love God. I hope they do. And, and they showed all their little John boats and aluminum boats heading down the interstate to go rescue people. I go, man, that's my kind of people. Well, the other day, I was hearing about the preachers, and they were talking about, man, he says, you know, he says, Jesus always says, I'll make you fishers of men. I had no idea I was going to be really fishing for people, fishing them out of the water, rescuing pets and rescuing people. Man, it's awesome. Every, every time I watch these stories, I was walking through Costco the other day. I walked through, and one of the ladies kind of like samples, you know. I walked by one sample. Oh, I meant to tell you, Don, I had a sample that day. And, and, and then and, and, and I walked by, and this lady says, we're Americans. Americans are supposed to help one another. And I was walking, and when she said that, the Spirit of God rose up and said, go affirm that woman. And I ran back over. I said, and yes, we do. That's awesome. You know, we were just standing there waving, let's make America great. You know, I don't know. You're saying, you're a fool. Well, I, I don't know, man. I don't like people bashing our country. How about you, folks? I love America. I love Americans. I love the gospel more. And here it is. We care for one another. Jesus, Jesus has a word. Look, look here in verse 29. But move on. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. <laughs> you know, it, it's not even red letters here. And it just he walks on the water. Pretty, pretty astounding in my life. But I want you to see verse 30. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves... We're talking forceful, Harvey-like, okay? He was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. I love that. I would, I would box those words in your, in your Bible. I would just draw a box around it. That is a great prayer. Save me, Lord. Yesterday, when I was sitting with the Bolton family, I looked down on the table and there were a couple Bibles. And Chuck said, that's my dad's Bible. And I picked it up. Oh, I loved it. The Bible was falling apart. Every line, every scripture, every line in the Bible was almost underlined and highlighted. I was like, man, this man has read this book. And it was open to Romans 8, 32. And in the side of it, in another Bible, Chuck said, this is my dad's favorite scripture. And I thought, man, that's a man that's anchored to the gospel and he prayed and he prayed that he led many people lord save me remember when you cried out that prayer lord jesus have mercy on me lord jesus save me i'm drowning jesus i'm not gonna make it jesus i'm desperate Je or here here's one jesus i'm a mess anybody ever prayed that prayer you ought to write that one down right now that's a great prayer jesus i'm a mix a mess Fix me. This whole series, Fixer Upper, Transform Me, Make Me Like Christ. It's a teachable moment here watching life turns, the wind all in the scriptures blowing, the mighty storm comes, you know. And, and let's just talk about that for a minute. Man, those sto the storms are going to come, friends. Here is a physical storm to teach us spiritual lessons. And we're going to have storms, and maybe right now you're not in a storm, and we go, Praise the Lord. I like it when you're not in storms. In the storms you grow. And Jesus says, be prepared. In this world you will have trouble. But be of good cheer because I have what? 
I've overcome this world. I've overcome death. I've overcome whatever you're fighting through. So I'm like, Lord, I'm running to you. So he, for, he forgets here about that. You know, Peter's a Galilean fisherman. And he, so, so he walks out there. He's already asked Jesus, can I come? Jesus said, come. And he walks out there, man, and he's like looking. And things are good. And he's going, yes. And then what happens? He looks down at his feet. Every time you and I look down and not up, and we look down at our feet, we get in trouble, don't we? Remember when I opened a minute ago, I talked to you about barefoot water skiing? Same thing happens. See, when I used to ski, some, I remember when I first started doing it, I was so just overwhelmed that I could do it. I just thought that was so cool. And I'd get up there behind the boat, and I'd just be shaking like this, you know, about 40, 45 miles an hour flying down, you know. And, and, but if you get too taken by your feet, you're going to get in trouble. And you... So you learn to kind of get your, you know, you're looking out, you know, and you're seeing. And see, smart people do this. I wasn't very smart. When you see waves from a wake of another boat, you sit down. But your pastor was so gifted. He would be looking at his feet sometimes. And I, I, I've got a video now I want to show you of me barefoot. No, actually, somebody has it on movie eight. Or what did we call those things back 40 years ago? Anyway, huh? Super 8. Yeah, my friend, Coach Ed Wright, has a, uh, a thing of it. Although I could, I could have just put anybody up there and said, hey, that's me. Because if I could have said, that's me when I had hair. Anyway, okay, here we go. Look at it. Drive away fear. Look at, look at verse 30. Here's the point I just want to make. Defeat distractions. Peter got distracted. The disciples were already distracted. We get distracted. And, uh, and when we get distracted, we always lose our focus. You know, you're working, and you're doing really well. You're in school. You're, you're at work, and things are happening, and you're focused. And then, you, and then distractions come, and, you know, you, you, lose, you lose your way. You lose your best. Well, here, I'm just thinking about, man, sometimes we, we get distracted by so many things. Some of you, 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 you love just total quiet when you're studying. Some of you like to have music going in the background. You, you can do different things. I don't know what your distractions are. I promise you one. It's the number one. What is the number one distraction in America? What is it? What is it? Cell phone. Absolutely. Everywhere I go. Oh, better look down. Yeah. You know, I mean, the other day, I'm riding down the road, and here's the bro. He's walking on the side of the road. Right out in the road, you know? I mean, think, dude, you're going to get killed. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I, I think they've got laws in New York, like people walking in manholes and doing stuff. I mean, we've got to pay attention. You know what I'm saying? We just get distracted. But how many times do we get distracted spiritually? Let, let me give you some things about when we lose focus that might be helpful. Here's distractions we face. Number one, fear. That is a, that is a, a key. Oh, they're all up there. Okay, fear. All right, so we, it's supposed to come up one at a time. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, that looks nice. Took away my punch. All right, so fear. And, and we could talk about so many fears, and we all have some fears. And some of us have more fears than others. Some of us take medication because fears have overwhelmed us. The second one is what? despair we're just depressed we're just we, we don't see a way out we've grown hopeless i see that so many times then just disappointment we're just disappointed with others we're just disappointed with the situation we're, here it is does anybody ever get disappointed with yourself yeah man and that just distracts you and then the and the last one i hear about all the time we're just all america is a stressed out nation and the church said it is, man. We're just running so fast. 
I mean, I, sometimes, I mean, I love that we run fast, but sometimes you're like, man, just chill. Just, man, just take a break. We just don't know. But, I, but here's where I go back to. But we have a gentle shepherd. And he makes the green pastures that we can lie down and get some rest and get refreshed. You know, I don't know about you. I'm hoping this afternoon, I'm hoping nothing catastrophic or anything happens in your life that you need me. I'm hoping this afternoon to have some downtime. Is it, does anybody like downtime but me? Do y'all like downtime? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, praise you. I've been, I'm down right now. Sunday morning, that's my favorite time. Down, downtime. I appreciate it, you know. <laughs> You're saying, yeah, or, or like yesterday, anybody watch any football? Nobody watched football here yesterday, right? Did anybody, did any teams win yesterday? I don't know, I don't know, preacher. You know, I'm too spiritual. I don't watch football anymore. Yeah, whatever, you lie now. Okay, all right, here we go. So we choose to focus on the problems rather than Christ. But listen to this. If we focus on the problems, then we lose sight of the one who is greater than all, and his name is Jesus. I wish Peter had come here and could finish up this message, and he'd just go, man, things were going good when I focused on the Savior, and I walked right after him. But man, it went south the minute I took my eyes off of him. And I think, man, that's what happens to me. I'm doing really good spiritually in my life. When I'm following Christ, I'm in tune with my Savior. But when I begin to get distracted by the flesh, by the things of this world or whatever it is, I'll crash and fall. The waves pound me. We've got a lot of waves out there, haven't we, in life. And just think about it. They're, they're problems. They demand our time. They demand our attention. Here, here's one. And this might make you mad, but that's okay. I'm convinced we're too busy. And I hear it all the time. People are like, oh, preacher, I'd love to come to church, but I'm just too busy. Oh, I'd love to serve, but I'm just too busy. I'd love to do that, but I'm just too busy. You know what I'm hoping? I'm hoping over the next months, because it'll go on for years, that we will assemble a team. Listen, I want you to be praying that we will assemble a team from Christ's community and that we will go to Texas. We went to Mobile back during Katrina, and we tore out sheetrock and worked and cleaned up and took supplies. Nancy, over here that night, what did we talk about last Wednesday night, Nancy? Nancy says, you get a team together, I'm going. Sorry, Mike, she's leaving, okay? And, uh, and we want to get a team. And some, how many of you would even start, would you raise your hand if you would pray about going on a team over the next several months to serve in Texas? Raise your hands high. Wow, we're going to have to charter a bus. That's awesome. I hope we will. I hope we'll take a lot of people and say, man, let's make a, let's make a difference. Did I just see Beth? She was there too. Oh, there, there you are, sweet yeah, Beth, okay, you were there in the conversation, okay. The problem is we get too busy for Christ. Listen to this, you ever heard this adage? If the devil cannot make you bad, he'll just make you busy. You agree with that? I do. I know a lot of good moral people, a lot of good religious people, a lot of good holy Christians. They're just too busy to do anything. And, and a lot of times Satan is, oh, if I just make the Christians busy, they won't go out and share Christ's love. They won't go out and meet the needs of people that are hurting. I don't know, man. There's a lot of needs, and God will show us. Listen to this. I want you to write down this verse, not in your outline, but I thought it was good. Luke 9, 51. When the days were coming to a close for him, talking about Jesus, to be taken up, he was determined to journey to Jerusalem. Jesus knew that he must go to the cross, and it was his life mission. You know, Jesus could have healed a lot more people had he not stopped at 33. And there had been a lot more people touched and healed and all that kind of stuff. And he could have said, Father, I'm going to delay the cross for 10 more years. But his mission was to bring honor and redemption to us. Amen? 
And he said, this is it. This is my mission. And so the question is, we just have to ask the Father, Father, what's my mission? What, what's the task that you have for me? And, 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 and it's different for different ones of us, but God just wants to show us. You know, Jesus could have been distracted by the obvious. You know who the obvious were? The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the oppositions at the temple, whatever. There were all kinds of people that opposed Jesus. And I, I got to tell you, they had to be a distraction. But then there was those subtle distractions. And there were good things. It was Jesus, Rabbi Jesus, teaching in the temple. That could have been a distraction like, well, Lord, just keep doing that. Or it could have been the healing. It could have been some other ministry of the preaching. But whatever it is, there's always going to be things that are going to distract us from the main thing. You know what I'm saying? And they're going to keep us off mission. And we just got to ask the Father today, Lord, what is it you want me to do today? You know, I get up and I ask the Lord, Lord, this is your day. I relinquish your church to you. I relinquish my life and my priorities and my family to you. Father, would you lead me? Some days that works out really good for me. Sometimes I take control. Does anybody here have a problem with control but me? You want to take it back up. Here's the good thing about a gentle shepherd. He always invites me back into his presence. He always invites me back into his care. He's always willing to give me leadership of the Holy Spirit if I'll just go to him. So he wants me to trust him. Y'all ever listen to that group, Casting Crowns? I know you do, Carol. And there's a song. It's been out for a long time. Matter of fact, I was riding down the road, and I heard it this week. I thought, that's neat. I'm going to use this as an illustration this week. And this song's been out for years. But listen to it. It's called The Voice of Truth. Oh, what I would do to have the kind of faith it takes to climb out of this boat I'm in. Onto the crashing waves to step out of my comfort zone. Into the realm of the unknown where Jesus is. And he's holding out his hand. But the waves are calling out my name. And they laugh at me. Reminding me of all the times I've tried before and I failed. The waves they keep telling me time and time again. Boy, you'll never win. You'll never win. Now do we not have an accuser of the brethren named Satan that will come and try to sit on our shoulder and try to keep us from doing the things of Christ. Amen? He's just out there. He's alive. He's well. But he that is in me is greater than he that is in the world. That's Jesus Christ, the hope of glory, the, the Holy One. Look, look at this. We got verse 31, destroy doubt. You know, waves, waves crash, waves of distractions waves of doubts and i don't know this morning it could be that you just doubt the gospel you doubt somebody that has let you down in your life i, I don't know what it is but what i'm saying is christ wants us to take our doubts and put them at his feet and say lord would you would you answer my questions lord would you give me leadership lord would you give me healing would you give me hope would you give me understanding I just know our God is so great that God can meet every need that you and me have. Do you believe that, church? I don't know what your need is. There are so many needs in this room. Some are small. Some are really big. Some people that aren't here today, they've got some really big needs. But we've even got a bigger God. And I love that, Lord, we can run to you. And, and, and sometimes, here's a wave that hits us. The wave of our past. <laughs> Come to, huh? Whoa, oh, I won't do that again. Come, come to, you know, Charles, you started to talk to me and then I hit that and I was fixing to leave. Okay. Uh, the wave of the past, <laughs> wow, that made a profound point. Okay. The, the, the wave of the past <laughs> scared me. <laughs> I talked about speed, Peter being scared by a little girl. I'm scared by my own voice. Okay. 
I have found that our past mistakes will haunt us and will try to convince us to do nothing and to paralyze us. You know what I'm saying? And my prayer is that, Jesus, would we learn to trust and find your freedom as we follow you. Lord, Peter, Peter failed miserably around the fire when he denied you three times. He failed you in other times when he opened his mouth and he shouldn't have. But Lord, you kept rescuing Peter from himself and from sin. And you made Peter a great spokesperson for the church of the living Christ. And Jesus, could you do that today for me? Could you make me a witness that there be a wow effect of faith? You know, my, my prayers are like, God, would you just bring salvation? Guys, can I just be really raw with you? I used to preach in this room. There's four and five hundred people, and I used to see one, three, four, five people come to Christ on a lot of weekends. And we've gotten to where now we just gather and we hear God's word and we study and we do a lot of righteous things. But I'm like, Lord, where are the lost? And I just say, could we work together somehow to partner, to convince, to get our friends, to invite, to encourage, to buy them lunch, whatever it takes, that they might hear a message of hope and that they somehow might come to trust the Savior and we would see more and more new life in Christ as they follow Jesus. Amen, church? That's our job. It's the job of the church to win the lost. There's so many out there lost today. Now everybody's debating whether the church is relevant anymore. The church is relevant. The gospel is relevant. The gospel is real. The gospel is powerful. How many people believe that today? I do. Man, this is the only way I can look at myself in the mirror. This is the only way I can forgive myself. This is the only way I know I'm going to go to heaven because I trust in the shed blood and the death and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And I experience him in the power of his resurrection. Hallelujah. Amen. You're like, man, he's gone to preaching. That's what preachers do. That's what Helen Keller said. A woman that was deaf, dumb, mute, whatever. She wasn't dumb. She was brilliant. She says, life is either a daring adventure or it's nothing at all. She said, man, life is a daring adventure. And that's what I just want to say to us this morning. God's called us to an adventure of faith. A wild faith. Lord, do something. Give us miracles. Lord, I mean, if a blind woman named Helen Keller could do the things that she did and the deeds. God, how much can we do with eyes that see? But Lord, we don't have faith. God, give us faith. God, give us faith till we meet again. Lord, help us to lay it down. Listen to this. By faith, the Bible says Noah built an ark. Abraham left Ur of Chaldees to go to a promised land. Moses led the people out of God, or led the people of God out of Egypt. Joshua marched around the walls of Jericho. David defeated by faith. I mean, I'm going, wow. Elijah faced down the prophets of Baal. Esther risked everything to save her people. Daniel refused to defile himself with the royal food in the kingdom. And Nehemiah led the Jews to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem by faith. I was like, God, what are we doing by faith? Have you called us to build some walls? Have you called us to feed some poor? Have you caused us to look out for some oppressed? Have you caused us to reach some up and up? Have you caused us to reach some down and out? Have you caused us to reach out to some addicted people? I don't know what it is. All of those probably and more. Jesus, give us faith. God, I, I want to see, I want to have evidence of things unseen. I want to trust you, Lord, for the impossible. Lord, I don't want to have little faith puny faith move on down here with me verse 31 jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him come on peter 
I, I added that, okay? You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? And we can read this story and go, okay, I got it in context now. But I'm thinking, how many times do I doubt Jesus? I doubt what he's capable of. The Bible says with God all things are possible to those that believe. I think you might say, Peter, if you'd have just kept your eyes on me, son, you could have walked all the way across the Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> but you took your eyes off of me. And let us fill in that blank. Joe, Bill, Josh, Robert, Jamie, if you'd have just kept your eyes on me, you could have blank. Isn't it amazing when we think about it? When we come together, we're called a faith. You know, we don't call it Welcome to Christ Community Doubt Family. We're glad you're in the doubt family. I would run quick. We're a faith community. We're a faith family. It means we trust Christ. Amen? We trust in riches unknown, unsearchable. Lord, we, we want more of you. Uh, you know, but you know what? Peter, Peter got out and walked on the water. But listen to this. Bartholomew... He didn't walk on the water. That sucker stayed in the boat. The Matthew. Matthew. Gospel. Matthew. He didn't walk on the water. He stayed in the boat. James. Oh, you know James did something. He sat in the boat. And I could go through all the guys. What did they do? They sat in the boat. What did Peter do? He walked on the water. I'm like, man, I want to be like Pete. I want to follow Jesus. So this morning, there's a lot of application to this, and we can have little faith or great faith, but look at this. Look at verse 33 real quick, because I've got to do something. Verse 33. For, oh, how about 32 and 33? Melanie, come on this. When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped, and the disciples worshipped him. They worshipped. So I'd fill in this blank. Declare your allegiance and declare your worship of the one who is worthy. Lord, I want to worship you in the storm. So right now, here's real practical. You're going through a storm. And can you declare your allegiance to Christ? Can you declare, Lord, I will worship you in the storm, in the sunshine, whatever you bring to my life. Blessed be the name of the Lord who gives and takes away, but I will exalt, I will extol the name of Jesus. Amen? Matthew 14, 33. And then the disciples worshipped him. You really are the Son of God. They exclaimed it. Jesus, you are God. You're bigger than my storm. You're bigger than my mess. Lord, I'm going to step out of the boat. I'm going to trust you. Lord, just give, us, just give us a little faith. No, Lord, give us great faith. You know, I've been praying that. I've been asking people to pray that around here lately. God, give us great faith as a church to follow you. Let's pray and we want to do something. Lord Jesus, make us a faith community that grabs hold of faith like we've never had. Lord, faith is a gift of God. Infuse us with courageous faith today, Lord Jesus, like Peter. Infuse us with faith like men and women of old. Infuse us with faith that you want to give us. 
Help us to concentrate and focus on you, Lord Jesus. We want to follow you. Make us true Christ followers. Show us what that means, mighty God. And give us the courage to step out of the boat onto the water and to follow you. And God's people said, Amen.